0: So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays, and mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. All right, Sarah. So from my vantage point, overreaction Monday, as they say. It took on a new meaning this week after the Ravens collapsed to the Steelers in Pittsburgh on
1: Sunday.
2: Bobby, as you know, national media, (laughs) they were all over the place, including, of course, ESPN's Stephen A. Smith who, if you recall, I feel like had some of the most dishonest reporting about Lamar Jackson the Ravens and the contract negotiations. So let me just give you a little preview. What we're not going to do here, national media, is put all the blame on Lamar Jackson for that loss. We'll get to that in a minute.
0: Dang right. Here we go. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host, Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, October 10th, and this is your Morning Ravens update from Inside the vault.
2: All right, well, in addition to pointing fingers at Lamar, which is happening in the national media, there are fingers flying everywhere on who to blame for Sunday's ugly collapse. And there are plenty of fingers being pointed at John Harbaugh. So the question is, is his seat getting warm?
0: Mm. Plus, with the Ravens having already landed in London for their upcoming week six matchup with the Tennessee Titans, we'll take a look at one key difference in this year's itinerary, compared to their strategy in 2017 before that infamous debacle against Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby, you're going to have to steer us through this one. I know you've been on top of uh, all the national media, all the talking points, and woo! Did... First take, have Ravens Twitter on fire on Monday.
0: Yeah, so we all know that Monday is when you and I do a a bunch of our sifting, looking through social media, YouTube, you name it, combing through all of the the national reaction that comes in. And especially after a loss, you know it's going to be – there's no shortage of it whatsoever. So I'm at the gym. I didn't think that – I thought I was getting in early, Sarah, before all this programming begins at the ESPN level – and apparently I was wrong because as I'm sitting, <laughs> as I'm sitting on the uh, bench press, right, just trying to come off the weekend, essentially, and start the week off fresh, I see a, a headline, essentially, over on the screen. And I'm making sure I have this, this down specifically here. Here's what it was. Ravens regretting big contract for Lamar is the tease that was on the bottom line as an upcoming first take debate, right? So I'm mid bench press. And I see this come across the screen. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So so I find So you my... throw
2: that bench, you throw those weights <laughs> yeah. into the TV. Is that right?
0: <laughs> Literally, right? I, I probably either did that or you know, pulled the muscle trying to do too much. But <laughs> but anyway, so I see that and promptly pull up my Xfinity app so I can listen and watch mid workout just to see if anything was going on. And one of the things that we'll get to first here before we get to first take is Rex Ryan, former NFL head coach, former defensive coordinator, who had a lot to say in terms of all the drops. And by most metrics, I think the consensus is that there were seven total drops on Sunday in Pittsburgh, which statistically speaking, hadn't happened in a long time. Here's Rex Ryan reacting.
3: Sal Powell comes on and he talks about how this football team, the receiver coach, has his receivers catch a rugby ball. He's showing it right here. And I'm like, a rugby ball is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But somebody trying to be a guru. And he said, well, it's because you got to catch it with two hands. Yeah, that ball is not the same size as a football. And you look at some of these other things, hey, genius, Uh, you catch a football. How about this one right here? Are his hands a little wide? I don't know, take a look. If that was a rugby ball, I bet he'd come down with it. So now over here, I love the fade. We're gonna show it hopefully a little later on, on the, here's one right here. Okay, use your hands, catch it. Oh, come on, Mark. And now we're gonna get on this one here. Oh, Bateman, he's got this one for sure whoops but if it's a rugby ball he's coming down with it and he may just pick to the thing put it on the ground and kick the extra point i don't know but i'm telling you this my favorite one is still coming up but again eight drops for oh, the, the national, yes the national football league game you have eight drops all right, here's another one. How about that one? Do you want him to hand the ball to you? <laughs> like, come on. This is absolutely atrocious. But the one, the fade where the touchdown should have been a touchdown. The Aguilar, Aguilar. play. We saw the highlight, Andrew too. His hands this yep. wide. Yeah. I don't know. Is a ball that – is he going to catch a basketball or a rugby ball? <laughs> a football. The fingertips need to be together on a football. Go back to the fundamentals and sit back. The first thing I, I do, if Just I'm Harbaugh – Harbaugh, I'm going to take that rugby ball – and I'm gonna kick that sucker out of the dang wherever. Where I don't, I don't have any idea where that is. It's missing. <laughs> I don't know. It's somewhere, but it dang sure
0: ain't in my locker room ever again. This guy is highly entertaining, Sarah. But as we learned on Twitter, and you put these together, just in terms of some reactions, I went ahead and, and looked for Kadri's initial reaction. Former Super Bowl winning Ravens wide receiver. And he hit me back with this. In my opinion, classic overreacting by Rex. Clearly, it wasn't the rugby ball, and they were fine up until that game. Sarah, we, we talked about it earlier in the week. Uh, last week, I should say. The Ravens entering week five had zero. Zilch, not a drops, and they finished with seven by most metrics after this one. Q goes on to say, seems Rex is out of touch with this take. Jeff Cerebic of The Athletic adds on with, they've been catching with rugby balls for a few years not new. What's your reaction?
2: We didn't see this part of it, but what I liked about what Rex Ryan said is uh, with the segment he was the only one saying yeah, no, Lamar, we have no problem with the Lamar's contract. How do you come out of this game? And that's why he went through all those drops. He's like, how can you blame Lamar? How can you say that he's not living up to his contract? And then he goes through all the drops. But to me, it just took the wild twist with the rugby bar ball, and it was not on my bingo card that on Monday following this ugly collapse that we would be talking about rugby balls. So I, I don't know. Like, is there something to it? I'm a big fan of muscle memory. I, like, I do it with t- teaching my kids instruments, and we do it in sports, like, but come on, like, and I think the stat, by the way, is not that the drops haven't been done by a wide receiver. I think the Ravens may have had drops, but not by a wide receiver coming into this game. And it's the wide receivers who are practicing the, with the rugby ball. So like, uh, I don't know, maybe we should like, because hand pl- he is right about the hand placement, whether it was because of the rugby ball or not, I, I doubt it because you'll do like, fine, practice with eggs, whatever, do what you whatever you got to do to get your hands close together so the hand placement is correct it needs to be improved but can we blame this is that what we're doing now is Monday morning like the Ravens who've been using rugby balls for years is suddenly not catching it because all because just this week the rugby balls just this week the rugby balls made them have bad placement yeah hand placement but all these other years it it wasn't a problem
0: you know Sarah one thing that I'm seeing in terms of trends with Rex at, in his TV career, and it's kind of coming across as if he's that old man get off my lawn. Remember last year where we kind of we talked about this recently actually, with Mike McDonald, right? He ripped Mike McDonald after the Miami game. And yes, it was an epic collapse, and a lot of people, a lot of folks deserve to be ripped. But I think that was his second or third career game as an NFL defensive coordinator, right? And Rex comes out and calls him a hot shot coordinator. He's terrible, right? You just heard there him referring without naming him uh, the Ravens wide receiver coach, who's Greg Lewis. They picked him up from Philadelphia. This, But offensive. it was Keith
2: Williams who brought it in.
0: Yes, who's the pass game yeah. specialist. Yes. Right? And who's, who's Devontae Adams' personal trainer, I might add. A guy who <laughs> is very well respected throughout the league. But notice yeah. the adjectives that he uses guru like tries to kind of demean these guys as if they're trying to be these these rocket scientists to the game he's coming across as to Q's point a little out of touch and a little bit of get off my lawn and again I have all the respect in the world for Rex right one of the one of the games greats in terms of defensive coordinators not you can't necessarily say the same as an NFL head coach but a Super Bowl caliber winning defensive coordinator and yet I just, I don't know why I'm seeing this trend with him. It's this weird thing he's doing in this hot take world that is national media television.
2: Rex Ryan, probably one of my favorite coaches while I was at the Ravens in terms of like, he was so funny. He was so superstitious. We won a game because after after one time he came down, to, we call it cube world. And he would walk up and down the cubes We're like... You know, not the highest people up in the ranks at at the at the Ravens are. So after that, every... I can't remember which day of the week it was, but every single day of the week he'd come down and just talk to everybody in Cuba. I mean, and what you see on camera, by the way, is exactly who he is in real life. Oh, He's yeah. always overstated, all of that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes it's right on, on point. But you say, get off my lawn. I, like, to me, it comes across as like... At least the Mac- Mike McDonald one came across as a little bitter. Maybe bitter he didn't get the head coaching job or whatever. But you know, whatever. I'm not going to discount whatever he says just because of that. Uh, but it, what you see on camera is not fake. That is exactly who he is.
0: Yeah. On to Shannon Sharp, who we know has certainly been outspoken so far in terms of. Well, I tweeted this. I say it. I'll say it now again. He's literally willing to die on his Todd Munkin versus Greg Roman offense comparison sword, Sarah. Like that's just he is he feels like this is still vanilla. This is still looking very eerily similar to what we saw a year ago. And he just, I'm telling you, with all with all due respect to one of the game's greats and a Pro Football Hall of Famer and a heck of an analyst in 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 every capacity, it just doesn't seem like he's watching these games outside of. The highlights. I don't know if that's the case or not, but judging by takes like this, it just it feels as if he's not truly watching the game, and then he's going through box scores or highlights. Here he is. On first take Monday,
4: I've never been a part of a team that dropped that many passes in one game. If you look at the first half, it was the tale of two halves for the Ravens because Lamar looked extremely well in the first half. But even if we go back and look at through the five games, this offense looked exactly like the Greg Roman offense. Todd Munkin was supposed to come in, and Lamar Jackson was supposed to spread it around. And even though they did have eight drops, Rex, all that could have been forgotten. Lamar Jackson threw a horrible interception in the end zone. That was supposed to be a back shoulder. And on the back shoulder, you know one thing, Rex. You can't miss inside. That's why you're throwing the back shoulder, because the guy's pinned inside. So if you miss inside, you're going to hit Joey Porter Jr. in his hands, which he did. I feel like he's
0: contradicting himself here. And here's the quote that I pulled out. Lamar Jackson was supposed to spread it around. Even though they did have eight drops, Rex, all that could have been forgotten. Well, sure, it could have been forgotten, yes, but they never should have been there in the first place. What did you make of this?
2: Uh, I make that he is for sure not watching the games. I think that what he's really saying with this is the same Greg Roman offense, I think up till now it's been similar results in terms of box score stuff. The Ravens are still ranked uh, one of the last teams in passing yards and all that kind of stuff. So in that sense, it's like Greg Romans, but... Uh, no, it's, it's sorry. It's different. The ball comes out faster. Uh, he, the, he uses more 13 personnel. We don't Lamar has more control at the line of scrimmage. There's no Patrick Ricard in the passing game. Uh, at least, you know, like it just, it, it's, it is different. And he so is
0: spreading it around.
2: And that's the thing is he is pretty, by the way, it wasn't one receiver who kept dropping it. (laughs) Like it was, as you pointed out with the Jonas one, that's one, two, three, four different receivers that just dropped it. Let alone that he targeted Devin Duvernay. He got, he got rocked, but uh, Devin Duvernay let one go. Uh, You know, so that's, that's five receivers. Like how many are we supposed to spread it around to? Like it was equal opportunity here
0: let's keep moving here because there's another clip as well one more from ESPN two more actually and one is is really good analysis work from Dan Orlovsky who we lean on a lot who's going to take a look at that goal line fade that the what was supposed to be back shoulder from Lamar to OBJ which which resulted in like like Shannon just said that Joey Porter Jr. interception we'll get to that in just a second but Stephen A Smith like we mentioned in the open he has you talk about flip-flop This guy has epitomized what it means to be just so flaky, hot and cold, flip-flopping all over the place when it comes to Lamar and the Ravens dating all the way back to their contract negotiations last offseason. Here he is on first take.
1: Lamar Jackson, two fourth-quarter turnovers yesterday, now has an NFL-worst 11 turnovers in a fourth-quarter or overtime of one-score games since 2021. That is inexcusable. That is inexcusable. We got to look at it from that perspective. We also got to look at the fact that he leads all NFL players with seven fumbles. Seven fumbles yeah. this year. I mm-hmm. mean, far be it for me to bring that up. But didn't you talk about not <laughs> turning the damn ball over? Now, interceptions yep. ain't the only way you can turn the ball over. You can only right. turn the ball over by fumbling the damn ball. Right. He's leading all players. All players. All right. Seven fumbles. Four lost. Okay. He's accounted for eight touchdowns this year, but has six total turnovers. In five games come on man that's not what they are paying you for and at the end nope. of the day you got to look at it from that perspective we know what Lamar can do I understand they're dropping his passes I understand they should have easily won this game two touchdown passes thats 14 points right there right. dropped in the hands of Aguilar and Bateman I get it I understand it eight drops overall I got it that's atrocious we get it okay yep. especially when your defense is number two in yards and al- points and al- points allowed and yards allowed defense is doing their job offensively you're not doing your job But it starts with him. And even though you got those drops, at the end of the day, damn, if you don't turn the ball over, you win anyway. And this man has been turning the ball over, and that is not what they're paying him to do. So you got to come to Lamar. If they were just dropping passes, Coach, that would be one thing. But when you can point to more turnovers than anybody in the league, when you can point to more fumbles than anybody in the league, when you can point to him in, in terms of one possession games, one score games with 11 turnovers in NFL works in the last three, two, three years. Come on, man. We gotta look at Lamar Jackson and say, "Yo, that ain't good enough."
2: I, I feel like I've got so much to say. I'm this Go one. Ahead. This one bothers me the most, probably with uh, um, him saying that he's not living up to the contract. Stephen A. Smith is the person who I like speaks the most passionately, but believes nothing of what he says, or he has like no memory of anything he says. He was the one, Bobby, who was pounding the table the most over the offseason about, you better pay Lamar. Then he would dishonestly report how much the Ravens had offered him and guaranteed money. It's an insult. It's an insult that you're paying him so little, is what he said over and over and over again. So by his standards coming into the season, Lamar Jackson is underpaid. Okay, so then even by his standards, if Lamar Jackson is underpaid and he's still not worth it, to you the wrong one, Stephen A. Smith. That makes you the wrong one in being able to evaluate how much how much a player is worth because he's underpaid by your standards. And yet you're saying he's not living up to it. Well, it's a good thing. The Ravens didn't listen to you on sort of give him Deshaun Watson type of guaranteed money. That's number one. Number two, it's still ridiculous that he says that Lamar's not living up to it. How can you get up there and say, yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. There were <laughs> eight drops. I don't think you do get it. Actually, you're saying with your mouth that you get it, but it's apparently you don't because when you have, whatever it is, seven, eight, nine drops, you cannot come out of that game saying, oh, this is on Lamar. Sorry, but no, you don't get it. Also, he brought, brings up the fumbles. That's the only cor- kernel of truth that I think he's right about. Yes. Lamar cannot lead the league in fumbles. He can't. That being said, yet again, that argument coming after this game isn't a great one because let's look at Lamar's fumble. You And and by the way, hold on, look, let me well whatever i guess i'll let it right here here's the fumble he he goes back has a quick three step drop from the beginning ronnie stanley who gave up nine pressures on the day by the way ronnie stanley gets absolutely beat off of the snap absolutely beat okay it wasn't even a contest you don't see it off the snap here but what you do see is a close up close up of ronnie stanley just getting Run by as if this 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 pass rusher is like you know oh, supersonic or whatever. It's yeah yeah high Smith like he just uh, Ronnie Stanley who by the way was not rushed back from injury. I I heard that excuse today because goalposts were being moved on Lamar that yeah that is Lamar's fault um, you know because. Whatever he should have thrown it faster, or he should have moved up in the pocket. No, that was good timing. There was a receiver open. You have a split second to get these receivers open. If you're a split second late, then there's a potential chance for an interception. So could he have stepped up? Maybe this and that. But the pass rush got there so quick, where Aunt Ronnie Stanley just didn't even—he ba- didn't even deter Highsmith Sm- High at all on that. So, yeah, let's talk about Lamar and the fumbles. It absolutely needs to be talked about. And he needs to improve it. Yet at the same time, we have to have enough nuance, Bobby. We have to have enough nuance to point out exactly why it went wrong, not just look at the box score and say, oh, Lamar had another fumble. Because if you can't have nuance, then you can't fix the problem then that means you're letting Ronnie Stanley off the hook. And, and he's the one who needs to start practicing. He's the one who needs to show up on Fridays. Don't tell me he was rushed back. He, he, he played... In two practices last week, they were clearly conservative with it, had him rest one more week, and then he came back. But he hasn't practiced most of training camp. He hasn't practiced much, again, because it's for, you know, week one he got injured or was it week one? Yeah, week one that he got injured. And so it's like he's going to have to get back up to speed. I haven't lost faith in Ronnie Stanley, but that was a bad game for Ronnie Stanley. So, you know, we got to have nuance. And, and Bobby, this is the same thing, and we'll get into Harbaugh in a little bit, People were so mad at me yesterday defending John Harbaugh. But it's the same thing. If you've already concluded that Lamar Jackson is overpaid, you're going to take anything, whether it's his fault or not, and say, oh, yeah, Lamar shouldn't have been paid. Doesn't matter that the fumble wasn't his fault. His arm was back. He, was, he, was, he was, had a forward motion of throwing. He can't protect it there. He can't protect it. And so it's the same thing I was trying to say with Harbaugh. I'm defending Harbaugh in the snap by Linderbaum that doesn't mean that there aren't other criticisms for for Harbaugh. We'll get into that in a little bit. But if you don't want nuance, the Vault's not for you. Cuz that's what we do. We watch all the games, we watch we rewatch the plays when, you know, the 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 plays that have big key moments, we provide nuance and we provide context. If you don't want all that, if you want Oh, Lamar makes 52 million. So everything that goes wrong on offense is his fault. Or if, and so, or if you want, well, John Harbaugh's in charge. So everything that goes wrong, ultimately that's his fault. So the buck stops with him. So it's his fault. Fine. Go listen to Stephen A. Smith. Go listen to first take. But if you want nuance, that's what we're going to do here.
0: Yeah. There's just not a lot of thoroughness or substance there. That's what I kind of walked away with having watched the clip, you know, just not a ton of, of substantive information. And one note on Ronnie Stanley, you mentioned he didn't have a good game. <laughs> that may have been generously said. He allowed nine total pressures, Sarah, one of which was that one he just said that, that ultimately put this one you know, nail in the coffin. Alex Highsmith comes flying off the edge, beats him badly, and strips Lamar. So Ronnie, yes, it's his first game back, but it has been a really tough stretch for him, not only in terms of un- um, availability or lack thereof, but also just in terms of pass protection and making sure that Lamar's blindside is covered. Nine total pressures. The next closest on that offensive line, Kevin Zeitler with 3, McCary, Philele and and uh and Hill. I guess Hill as a as a I guess he was put in there as a chipper. But anyway, he, they all three of those guys had two. I don't know. Cole Jackson put this out, so I'm not sure if it's combined. Maybe it's combined those three guys had two, and then Linderbaum and Simpson each had one apiece. So, you know, a very tough game for Ronnie indeed. Let's keep moving forward here with Dan Orlovsky's conversation. Just and, real quick.
2: Yeah. That segment reminded me of this right here. You, yeah. you guys ever the bleacher report graphic where it's like, oh, he can't make throws. The accuracy isn't there. Can't read coverage. I mean, that's just nonstop. No yep. shot at playing QB in the NFL. It's just, it's just nonstop. And you might have showed this while I was talking, but it is bananas. Not that I think PFF is the end all be all, but the fact that he got the highest grade of any offensive player in the entire NFL. Now PFF can be off. They can be off here or there, do a few judgments. but, but let's say they're off a little bit. Okay. Well, if he's not the highest graded offensive player in the NFL, he's up there. He's up there, and yet on Monday morning, we're talking about his contract. Just, just completely dishonest and ridiculous.
0: Yep. No. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> Lamar got paid to, to win football games, right? And he's done, mm-hmm. he's done exactly that. It hasn't looked pretty in January, as we all know, but as a regular season career starter so far through six years and counting, he's 48 and 18. All right? 48 and 18 as a career starter. That's historic stuff. ESPN, on the contrary, I mean, they, they pay Stephen A. and these other panelists to what it fe- what feels like just comb through game highlights and box scores and drive a debate program with uh, this is it, it was garbage in a lot of ways. Did, were there certain things that that need to be acknowledged and discussed, like the fumbling and the drops? Yes, but I just feel like this was Exhibit A. Exhibit A for why non-traditional media, in this case, is the place to be if you're looking for substance. So, I'm not going to pat ourselves in the back too much, but we're we're diving into this thoroughly as possible. And uh, part of what we do is react to the to the national media before we get to John Harbaugh. One thing from Dan Orlovsky, who decided to break out the film study room, on again the goal line fade was which was supposed to be back shoulder and it, and and we hold Lamar accountable right when when need be this was a bad throw this is his worst throw of the afternoon it was intended for OBJ and it ended up in Joey Porter Jr's hands.
5: I don't like the goal line fade from the shotgun, okay? So you see Lamar's in the shotgun. Now, why don't I like it from the shotgun with the normal split? If Odell's down closer, different conversation. I don't like it because the timing of it happens so much faster for a quarterback than really should be allowed. So this is why, when you're in the gun, okay? I want everyone, look, Odell is lined up on the line of scrimmage at the five yard line, okay? Five yard line style, so only as a quarterback have 15 yards to throw. And when you're playing in the shotgun, you have to catch and throw this football because of that small space. Now look at this, Lamar is making that decision to throw the football, okay? I told you that b- the ball got snapped at the five yard line. Where's Odell Beckham? He's still standing on the five yard line. Five-yard so Lamar line. is make- making that decision of what kind of throw I have to make in that moment. Odell's not even off the line of scrimmage because there's really one of two ways quarterbacks and receivers handle this goal line fade. One is no matter what, we're throwing it to the back pylon. The quarterback gets taught, hey, we are throwing this to the back pylon, wide receiver, it is your job to get there, or number two, we gauge the type of release we're getting per that corner. Sometimes it's the back pylon, sometimes it's that back shoulder, because what you would love for to happen here is as Lamar is cutting that ball loose, you see how Joey Porter Jr. is one stabbing with that outside left hand, and two, he's on top of Odell. See how he's closer to the end zone than Odell? This really would tell the quarterback, if you had another fragment of a second, Throw the back shoulder. Because Odell never gets on top. And Lamar is really throwing that football like Odell's gonna get on top, but he never does. Look, the ball is already on its way. And that's why I don't love it. Now it's a poor throw, but I think it's more of a poor throw because of it happens so quickly, and the quarterback doesn't have enough time to actually gauge it. That's why, with that traditional normal split, you would love either Lamar to be underneath the center or to cut Odell's split down a little bit, because if Odell's split is cut down a little bit, you give more space for the automatic back shoulder. And that's Mm. what tells the quarterback you can lean towards that throw rather than kind of floating it out there. I did not love the fact that they were in that gun.
0: So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticket Masters got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change... Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com
6: forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
0: And you lean away from Gus Edwards, right? They did not run yeah. back-to-back plays the entire second half, Sarah, after dominating on the ground. They did not rush the football and back-to-back plays the entire second half. I would have loved to that have seen them run it right down Pittsburgh's throat in that moment with Gus Buss, right? I'm sure Munkin probably wants that one back, but a great, a great deep dive there into terms of the nuance. Speaking of nuance – Dan provided exactly that in terms of you know while why why Lamar really needed to be under center in order for that to probably have gone a little bit more smoother for him.
2: I thought he gave excellent analysis. Dan is not the only person who said that that needs to come out of um, out of uh, under center instead of shotgun. Uh, I mean, I've heard national media, I've heard local media, I've heard all the football um, analysis or fil- film study people. They all say the same thing. So that would be a fun question if we were going to get into the weeds with Todd Munkin on Thursday, if any, um, reporter happens to ask that from London. Um, what was the second thing? I had a second thing. Oh, I also agree with him with, I love the breakdown on, on Lamar having to anticipate. You may remember yesterday we had a, we had a caller, Ivan, remember Ivan? And he, we talked about this play. And so I said to Ivan, it for sure felt predetermined. This play was predetermined. Like I'm going to Odell. Cause he just, he went, he went that way immediately Didn't look anywhere else. It's obviously was a play drawn up for him. It was predetermined, but I said to Ivan, but it kind of feels like it's an anticipation throw where Lamar has to let it go before he really knows whether or not OBJ is going to get open. And that's kind of what, um, Dan Orlovsky is saying if, if they, like it was from under gun, because then he can anticipate it based off of what the CB is doing a little bit better. No, to whether to play, throw the fade or the back shoulder. And so, Um, so I think it was a combination of, of, of bad stuff because a, he doesn't get to really read it from shotgun, but B, if you, if you have to like make a guess, I'd prefer that you guess on the back shoulder throw where the, where the CB can't get it instead of. On the fade because because Joey Porter bodied up Odell. Odell didn't even have a chance getting to that back corner for a fade. I mean, he got bodied up, and maybe it was because he had to wait because Lamar was in gun, so he has to wait for his release. And uh, I don't know, but uh, so the whole thing was a debacle from from Munkin and the way it was drawn up to Lamar and the where he threw it. Um, but to your point, kind of like Gus Bus in that situation too. Yeah.
0: All right, so the John Harbaugh conversation, one that's been had a couple times this year, maybe even last year at times, for keeping Greg Roman around for so long. You kind of wanted to bring this into play. There was plenty of uh, reaction and and conversation surrounding essentially his seat getting warm, and Spencer and I talked about it a little bit during our Monday live stream, but here's his tweet when he realized the Ravens have held a 10-point lead in six of their last nine losses, including twice, to Pittsburgh. Seats are going to start getting real warm if they can't close games out consistently over the next month or two. And Jake Luke, who, his podcast partner on the Exit 52 show, uh, basically screenshot four different, what's the right adjective? Stunned faces. Bewildered. of Bewildered? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something along those lines. So yeah, I just kind of thought we could have a, a general conversation to make sure that, that folks think that we're not just skipping over what we know is being had out there by some within Raven circles.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm seeing a lot of people saying, Hey, can we have this, this conversation? So here's, here's what I think with this, Bobby. And, and, you know, people will, um, accuse me of, you know, being a Harbaugh homer. And by the way, I don't mind that people know my bias. In fact, I think that's better. I think it's better when podcasters or reporters Show their bias rather than mm-hmm. uh, hide it and pretend that they're objective. So I for sure like John Harbaugh. That said, I'm not afraid to criticize anybody. Bobby, you're one of my favorite people in the world, and we have a back and forth. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like it doesn't we just stop did before me we from, came on tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't just because I you know, think you're great and not just you, but people are great. It doesn't mean that people are above feedback and criticism. Like, I just don't believe that even if I really, really like them. And that's, you know, I say the same thing to my husband all the time. Like, keep me, keep me honest. You know what I mean? That's what I like. So here's where I think the confusion sets in. There's like a micro analysis of Harbaugh that we do week to week, right? With, with the games. And then there's a macro analysis. What, what spencer just put up that actually that's a macro analysis that i actually understand it makes a lot of sense to me so what was what was it six of the nine last last losses the ravens had a 10 point lead okay that's something that if you're looking at it in a macro way it's like hey this can't keep happening as the head coach right but then Okay. There's some other macro stuff. People will say, Hey, the Ravens have a two and five playoff record under Harbaugh since the Super Bowl. That's a fair critique. That's a macro level that you're just like, that's not enough for me. I'm ready to turn the page. What about, um, what about, okay. So through 34 games against Tomlin, Tomlin's up 19, 15 against Harbaugh and, and the Steelers have had, have had, I think, uh, five and one something like that five and one record over the last few and so it's like when you're looking at that you're like okay I can see how some of these instances it's not you know Harbaugh's fault but so one could argue but for me this trend is too much and you know I appreciate what he's done in the past but for me it's time to turn the page or people that don't like the way he runs the team there's some people that would prefer to have a head coach that's huge into you know play calling that maybe he's really the offensive coordinator and the head coach like Andy Reid is and um, or maybe you don't like his run first approach and you prefer to bring like like so those are all reasons to say I want to move move on from Harbaugh that while I don't agree because I, w- I think we should keep them that I'm not going to say passionately defend because it's like I get it. The, the trend the trend is bad from a macro position, but what ends up happening is exactly what just happened that we highlighted with with Lamar Jackson. Is it's like you're you've already made your decision that you want to move on from Lamar or you want to move on from John Harbaugh. So every time there's a mistake, you're like, "Oh, that's his fault. Oh, that's his fault." And you're just looking for the ammunition to prove that it's time to move on. I'm not going to do that. Like what I was defending yesterday was that was not on John Harbaugh. It was not his decision to kick that to not kick the field goal and to go for it on fourth down. That was. Linderbaum. He knew the plan. There was no miscommunication. Harbaugh said there was to kind of like allow his own center, whether or not he wanted to, you know, publicly take responsibility or not. He wasn't going to throw his center under the bus. And so that's my thing. If you want to move on from Harbaugh, fine. You want to move on from Harbaugh. But what I'm not going to allow, what I'm not going to do is take things that are not Harbaugh's fault and just use a broad, a broad paintbrush stroke and say, well, everything that happens Is his fault because he's he's the head coach but you could do the same thing with lamar Well, he's getting paid 52 million. So everything bad that happens on offense. It's really his fault He should be overcoming it And so this is the perfect meme that I pulled up where it's the one if for the audio only people It's classic where you have a guy. What is this in a broadcast studio where he's shooting somebody on a on a couch and um, there's a you know, the meme over it on the, on the guy that's dead on the couch, it says three drops TD passes. And the, and the guy who's the gun, who has the gun shooting the guy on the couch, the shooter is named Ravens wide receivers. So the meme is yeah. Ravens wide receivers killed this game with three drop TD passes. But then if you go down below, it shows the same guy. And then Ravens fans will say, why would John Harbaugh do this? Right? So it's like eight drops. Why would John Harbaugh do this? He doesn't have them prepared. <laughs> It doesn't matter that this is their job and they're getting paid millions of dollars and, and rugby balls, and there should be no, you know what I mean? It's just like eight drop passes. Why would John Harbaugh do this? Uh, Tyler Linderbaum makes a terrible mistake. He didn't, John Harbaugh told him, you know, bring the clock down, then let's call a timeout. That was the plan. Linderbaum made a mistake. Why would John Harbaugh do this? Well, he should have told the center. He did tell the center, and the center knew. So that's where I think like, the difference is, is that it's like if you have a macro view and you're ready to move on from John, totally it. I think there's plenty of arguments there to be had. Yeah. Plenty of reasonable arguments. But we're not going to take all these little moments and somehow keep them on John Harbaugh. I'm not going to do that on this show.
0: Yeah, another one of those arguments would have been maybe, I don't think repeated is the right word, but some of the clock management flaws, right? The game management, we saw that play out. In, uh, not in, in Indianapolis, but against the Colts earlier this season where around the two-minute warning there was just a, a discombobulated sense and confusion, and you, know, you got to be more on top of things there as the head coach with 16 years of, of service time. Again, that's not a repeated offense, but it has been something in the past that he you could say that ha- he has a mark on, on, on the track record there, so I know some folks have pointed to that. Uh, but I'm with you. You know, I, I just I'm not ready to sit here and say, you know, people sometimes and I thought this about Greg Roman last year. What would a change in season do for you overnight? Right? Like, what would that do? People think that change immediately, I think this is generally speaking, some folks think that change automatically converts to success or production, or in this case, wins. What? No, you'd be you'd be breaking up essentially a, a 16-year marriage where Top down. This is his staff, right? This is this is his contingency plan in place. Everything is there. I think that'd be crazy to do. It's one thing to talk about it after the season, but people that want to just cut cut ties right now. Look, I get it, Mike McDonald. It's it's not a matter of if, it's when he's going to be an NFL head coach, Sarah. He is being groomed to be exactly that. I don't know if he's the guy waiting in the wings to be the the, the successor here after Harb's is done, but gosh, he he actually reminds me a lot of John Harbaugh in a lot of ways as well. Just the way that he conducts himself with the media, his overall look, right? He's a fit guy, but anyway, anything else to add there before we move on to quick hits? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) You sure?
2: Yeah, no, I had something and then I forgot it. John Harbaugh. Um, Oh, Oh, to answer the question is John Harbaugh's seat getting warm to your point in season. I don't think so. I don't think Steve Bishotti is going to do that in season. Um, uh, so I don't think it's warm to your point. It's a discussion. We'll see how the season goes and then we can have the discussion after the season.
0: Yeah. And as Brooke Pryor told me about the Pittsburgh organization, uh, during our preview episode before Raven Steelers last week, Mike Tomlin. Steal the you know there's a consistency, longevity, and everything. There's no way they're making a change with Matt Canada, especially after they found a way to win this past weekend against the Ravens, and now they're sitting atop the division at three and two. You really think a change is going to be made? No, these are two of the most storied, consistent, you know, um, competitive organizations. There's no way that in season changes are being made. So let's just move on from that. And again, but you're right, Sarah. There's another time to talk about it. To me, it's not now. Let's have that discussion after the season, depending on how you know things work out over the next couple of months. Okay, quick hits. And this was just released by WJZ, the local CBS affiliate here in Baltimore, right before we started recording on Monday night. And that is Terrell Suggs opening up to uh, anchor Rick Ritter about how things came to an end years ago with the Ravens.
4: It wasn't the way I wanted to end and uh I tell y'all this now it's, it's it's been uh enough time. Um my mom was ter- terminally ill. Like nobody knows that. You know we're a pretty private family. She was, you know, on, you know, her last final stages and I couldn't be in both places at once. I couldn't like look after her and you know train and work out and go back to Baltimore and And I just couldn't do both. I was gonna sign back, you know, and then I just decided, like at the last minute, I was like, I can't, I can't. Like, if something happened to my mom while I was gone, I would have never forgave myself. Ozzy called me, he was like, Terrell, he was like, Sizzle, what are you doing? Sizzle, your kids live here. And I was like, I know Oz, I know, but this is something I gotta do. So I I came home to kind of like take care of my mom. And you know, she ended up passing, the next year, at the end of the day, it didn't end how I would want it to. You know, I always wanted to be, you know, it, you know, in that black and purple forever. You know what I'm saying? But it didn't happen that way.
0: So, Sarah, this comes just a couple weeks away from him being inducted into the Ravens Ring of Honor, right? That's going to happen on uh, October 22nd. I believe that's the Lions game, if I'm not mistaken. But you were covering this team during the T-Sizzle era. I was not. What was your reaction to that?
2: I feel bad about his mom. I definitely like hit hard. I feel, feel bad that, um, he was going through that. And you know, we, it's the same thing with like Rashad Bateman. Like every, you know, you're just like, everybody's mad at you. And it's just like, I can't deal with this right now. I got so much going on in my personal life. You know, we never see that part of it. So I feel bad. He definitely said over and over and over again throughout those years, he was a Raven for life. So it was like, whoa. And I love his relationship with Ozzy. That's what it like yeah. Sis, What are you doing? And he's like, yeah. I know Ozzy. Like, I just love that relationship that they have together.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love the sweatshirt. <laughs> Ball yeah. so hard. Ball disciples. So hard. <laughs> That's amazing. So looking forward to that again. I, I think that entire thing, I haven't looked yet, but I think that entire thing, or at least the first segment, is available through WJZ, so you can go check that out on their website or social media accounts. And again, he will be inducted into the Ravens' Ring of Honor on Sunday, October 22nd. The Ravens are already across the pond, Sarah, as of Monday evening. They left earlier this afternoon. And uh, as Jess Ariebic noted on Twitter, it's actually a a key difference this time around than in 2017. They're going to be arriving in London again tonight. That's Monday night practicing Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday ahead of Sunday's game against Tennessee. And as Jeff notes, it's a far different approach than in 2017 when they didn't get to London until Thursday. Hopefully that helps with the overall adjustment, time difference, getting adapted, you know, all that stuff.
2: Yeah, the Titans aren't getting there until Thursday this year either. I'm glad they're trying something because woo, that was we just had an all time clunker right in franchise history with that loss to the Steelers. But that London one is another one. So uh, man, if it's the clock, whatever else, like I'm glad that they're changing it because hopefully I can't get worse, right? It can't, Bobby. Knock on wood. It can't get worse than that last London game. So hopefully that's help. That's helps them get their like body clock on that London time.
0: Wherever you are right now, if there is a piece of wood within remote area, make (laughs) sure you go knock on that. Goodness gracious. We can't have anything that even comes remotely close to repeating that couple other notes, Michael Pierce, Ravens defensive lineman. He's already up at uh, 12 pressures. His career high is 21. And as Spencer Schultz tweeted out, yes, he has been a quiet wrecking ball for this team, perhaps under the radar a little bit for Mike McDonald's defensive front uh, from the NFL research next generation statistics department. TJ Watt now has 14 career sacks against the Ravens. Sarah, that's the second most by any player against this organization all time. Only trailing former Steeler, James Harrison, who had 16, just an absurd, absurd game record, And he continued that streak on Sunday. All you can do is shake your head. I had no business putting this one in here. You take this. I don't know how this got in (laughs) to our quick hits. Who put this in here? We have a producer?
2: Oh, that would be me. That would be me. I just thought this was hilarious because Antonio Brown, the picture is old. He did that picture a while ago where he photoshops himself into the uh, Ravens uniform. But, of course, AB, (laughs) following that loss with all those drops – he tweets Ravens would be four and O with a B. L- literally, no, not literally, because the Ravens are first of all they've played five games, so I think he means the Ravens would be five and O, and <laughs> as brutal, as brutal as Sunday was, I'm I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. He's he's kind of like um in a very different way, like. Kaepernick who just doesn't want to let go like it just keeps coming keeps coming back You're still trying to find a way to be like hey guys call me come call me
0: I can't so. love this guy I, I cannot <laughs> the last time I thought about him was when he was like a minority owner for uh, the-, the Albany my hometown of Albany New York that they-, they had a f- uh, arena football league and he just completely sent them into like dismay like it was just like in up in flames when he took over like Pure chaos, not getting guys game checks on time, like just insanity. And and quite frankly, it was a pathetic operation up there. And I remember watching the local news when I was home recently. He ruined so many different people's lives up there with, with his role. So, yeah, A.B., whatever, whatever.
2: Let's Shout thank our out. Patreon. Yes.
0: <laughs> Shout out before I get going, right? Shout out to our returning patrons. These two are supporting everything we're doing here inside the vault through Patreon this month. We appreciate you, Lauren Wonderlick and Ken Buckner. Thank you so much for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you're interested in doing the same, as you can see on the bottom line, also you can go to the show notes, visit patreon.com. Forward slash Ravens Vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering this football season. Lots of local small business owners, both in Baltimore and outside of Baltimore, have been signing up for that membership tier, and it's one that uh, hopefully you guys are getting a lot of value out of. So, anyway, so let's see. So, I am, uh, I'm wheeled. We have one more morning vault while we're both on U.S. soil. I hit the road, not to hit the road, uh, I'm wheels up Wednesday evening with Be More Around Town. Looking forward to going over to London. Uh, we will have one half of the vault on the ground making sure that everything's taken care of over there i'll, I'll be searching far and wide for content sarah as soon as i get over there and uh, i will be there from october 11th through the 18th so it's going to be a little bit of a longer trip than i had expected but um, just excited about it so we have that coming up we'll have a preview episode this week and of course we'll next be back with you on wednesday morning with a uh Uh, new morning vault so for my co-host and partner Sarah Ellison I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Tuesday morning vault edition we will talk to you soon thanks so
7: much for being with us